Welcome back to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues here on a nice, shiny Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't know why I said shiny. Uh, <laughs> um, we got here uh, a full house, a full house of folk. Uh, we got um, myself, uh, I'm not Shubzilla, sorry. I got myself sometimes V. Sorry, it starts with an S, so I got like tongue tied. Let me get myself together real quick. I'm sometimes V, not sometimes Shubs. Over here on my left, we have Prior's The Testament. Uh, down below, we got Kylie Too Smart, and then we actually do have Shubzilla here on the call with us this morning. Uh, thanks everyone for being here. Um, as we all know, we kind of do this segment that we call How's Your Week? So um, I would like actually to maybe kick it off with how Shubs is doing, um, since uh, she is our esteemed guest. So uh, Shubs, please take the floor. How is my week? Um, I'm, I'm tired. Um, I'm stressed because the hoe needs to do laundry and chores and packs because I have Super Bit Fest in a few days. Um, and I think I have a verse to try to memorize. I don't know if I agree to doing a guest verse on something. Oh, I got excited because I'm I, like, oh, is there new shit? <laughs> no, it's not new shit. I just, it's like with guest verses and whatnot, like I'll write them. And I, and I owe Zay like four bars. So like he kind of reminded me like just by being there. <laughs> Hi Zay. Um, but uh, some like, I'll be like, yeah, let me get back to you. And I, I never fucking do because like, I'm, I'm all over the place. So, um, so there's <laughs> that. I just need to be better. My like, my like plan of action is to be better about like, abiding by my to-do list and um and doing those follow-ups within like 24 to 48. listen i love a good notebook <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes <laughs> i love it um well that's awesome i i think that's awesome um what when do you perform at super bit fest i know we shouted it out last week on the show and uh, we made it clear that it was like you and a bunch of other fam that was at MAGFest. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. Uh, that's a great question. I perform sometime on Friday. Nice. This coming Friday. I don't know when I'm performing, <laughs> but I'm going to be performing. So I'm, I'm going to guesstimate like around happy hour. So I, I don't know if uh, BitForce is like letting folks like bring in a beverage of some sorts but if you can you can but do it do it safely yes and be of age yes or yes <laughs> especially yeah, be of age <laughs> yeah be of age god damn it but yeah friday question mark nah. i'll um i'll put more i'll put more info as it comes up so just you know, y'all, I think most of you do, but in case we've got some new house, follow me on Shubzilla everywhere. And then you'll you'll get the tea. Yes, yes, as she sips it along. Um, let's go ahead and check in with Paris. How are you doing? Good, good. It's it's Sunday and you know, Sunday. So soulful soup Sunday, I guess. I don't know. Um I feel like everybody's probably getting a little bit. The weather's changing and, you know, when that germs start floating around and everybody's got the little bit of touch of something going on, but we're going to get through it and, you know, 
we have dealt with so much more. Uh, I feel like just in the in the post. I don't even know if they if this is post COVID. I've still yet to call it that. I'm still calling it you know in, in the middle of COVID crisis still. But uh, it's like when it's not that you just kind of go, oh, well, it's treatable. It's you know beatable. It's we'll, we'll get through it. But yes. you know, staying away from the flu. But other than that, just trying to trying to focus on. Uh, calm this week (laughs) yes yes i just remembered that i have sound effects uh (laughs) yes calm is key um yeah i to kind of tack on to that i did just get over my my mag flu so i am a healthy being now uh there's no more coughing or hoarse voiceness so um it's Yeah, so it, it was going around. For me, it lasted what felt like maybe five days. And then like after the fifth day, there was just like a little bit of lingering, but I felt healthy enough to do whatever I needed to do. Um, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so speedy recoveries for anybody who's enduring flu season, because I heard Please, that yes. COVID's like, I'm taking a back seat this, this season. Uh, the the normal girls will do the thing. Yes, <laughs> and be mindful with the flu and RSV and everything going around. And rest, give your body time. It's okay to be a little lazier this month than you normally would be. Absolutely. Uh, Kai, how are you doing? <sighs> um, so where I'm at, it's been flooding and then colds have been going around. So I'm also like getting over that slump of just ickness um but i've had good news this week and um finally making some progress in terms of what's going on uh with court and all of that so it's it feels wild you know when you like set out to do something that you know is going to be like a massive project it's going to take a long time and you like kind of mentally prepare yourself and then you get towards the end of it and you're just like, oh, are we here at the end? Finally, like we've been slogging through. So it's, um, we're, we're in the, the final steps and super excited to like see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I've just been making a lot of really good connections uh, with people like me. So, and it's been like reminding me like, okay, you can kind of come out of just being like solely concentrated and dedicated on this one thing and get back to like, adding all of the, the joyful things back into your life and really make you feel like you're living and not just like doing the dutiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Dutiful Kai. The dutiful things, <laughs> yes. Dutiful Kai, I see it. Yeah, no, that's your theme um, that I feel, that I've noticed. Um, but no, I'm happy to see that there's lots of progress. I feel like every episode there's like a new good step that's in the right direction (laughs) despite your obstacles that you're always having to endure (laughs) yeah um all right um i won't breathe too much about how i'm doing this week i think this week is pretty normal for me um which lucky me and knocking on wood um (laughs) as for uh things that i've done i did check out the lucretia show in portland over at dante's that was really fun um a friend of mine who is near and dear to my heart um, that I've known since preschool, he is the one of the lead vocalists for that band. So it was nice to just see him do his thing. Um, 
hopefully as a dream I can get them onto stages such as Mag West. Um, but you know, all I can do is like vet, vet, vet until the things happen, until I speak it into existence. <laughs> so that's how it, um, things kind of go. Um, but other than that, it was a good time. Like we got to catch up and like you know, cheers and like really celebrate our friendship for like the 15 to maybe on and off 15 minutes that we used that we got to like chat for a little bit because you know how shows roll. You can't really like talk to someone full heartedly because yeah. like they have to go on stage, they gotta go set up, they gotta go like decompress, like it's a whole thing. Um oh shoot, Ryako's here. Yo. I, was like, oh, <laughs> I may have sent the link to our uh our tea chat. Ah so. yay! <laughs> <Hi, sis. laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Shubs. Thank you for doing that. Um, I also see some other familiar faces in there. I saw um, Kuma from Nerdy Bear Studios. I saw my boy Nathan, uh, Boy Wonder Nate. That is the homie. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and. Jopium. Oh, is Jopium there? Jopium's there. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't want to leave you out. My bad. There's Zay in there. Uh, okay, well, my, my bad. Some beautiful uh, usernames that we see this very day. Yes, <laughs> on the Lord's Day, as we all know. We love this. Glory and praise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and go into the first uh, segment. I know uh, the reason for this episode is that we wanted to kind of touch on, or more than touch on. Um, being a mother and being an artist. And so I know my expertise is very shallow because I am not a mother. <laughs> so that's upfront. So I'd rather have the like the mothers here on the call to actually express their experiences. Um, I'm more of somebody who's like a listener and may ask some questions. Um, and, but other than that, like, it's always good to know as somebody who is um, capable of having children, uh, what, I may endure in the future. So this is very insightful for me. So I want to first off thank both Praris and Shubs for being here to be vulnerable, but also uh, to just say like what the reality is of what they experience every day and how we on the call can also just be more supportive of that um, and advocate for such. Um, I don't know if I spoke for you, Kylie, but if there's anything that you want to kind of say about that before we go into letting them kind of take the floor. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I am not a mother. I have gotten feedback of people assuming that I am a mom or, you know, speaking to me from the lens of like, oh, well, uh, don't you want to be respected enough to be a mother? Um, and I've had those conversations, but that is not the same as literally having to be responsible for another human being. Uh, so I cannot walk in those shoes. I can walk parallel to people's assumptions. So by all means, ladies. Yeah. All right. So the first thing that we want to just kind of bring up is that uh, both Prowess and Chubbs, they are uh, artists. They are rap artists in um, what folks say nerdcore, but I'm sure they have dabbled in other genres. Um, so I think just to kind of start is... Uh, what has it been like for you? Like, what has it been like for you as a working mother and any challenges that you have basically endured on your day to day? So, um, Shubs, you can 
you can take the floor first if you'd like. Okay. Um, so for those of you that do not know, I am a mother to a three-year-old and that's hella fun because she's tall and she's, she's mean and she, well, she's not really mean. She's a sweetheart, but she's mean like me, um, <laughs> you know, with a soft glove, uh, how it's been for me, like, because, because like the, from infancy to toddlership or what have you, um, is so, I mean, they grow exponentially. Um, it's honestly, it's honestly been like, okay, we're catching up with her, right? Um, like my partner, AAA, Ron and I, like, we're just, we're just trying to keep up with her. She's out here like saying words and like hanging out with friends in preschool. Um, we're again trying to catch up with her um it's been uh, it's been a lot like when i really think about it and my sisters have always like they like tell me like pretty much every day no you do a lot they're like and the like y'all will list like the docket of things i have on like on the daily so like wake up feed my kid like you know like clean the house uh cook and that's on top of all the um and that's on top of all the uh the writing and the correspondence and the social media i have to do not only for myself but for my music partner and for noir grime so uh it's it's been a lot of juggling i feel like i've been trained for this because i've always multitasked my entire life um like I feel like women and folks that like are able to birth people uh I feel like there's um no no I don't feel like this is this is facts there is um there is an expectation that we are to take on many different hats and I think we're going to go over that later but there's that expectation and like even though I'm like out here okay like doing doing the damn thing i'm in conventions prowess and i went on tour last year um you know all that like the whole the whole gig you know uh what's it called i haven't had enough coffee um there's just so much to like there's so much to like remember there's so many moving parts Mm -hmm. and um and like honestly like you don't even have to be a mother or a parent to know that like yeah multitasking is hard like our sister Yako said and for many of y'all um you know we all are juggling at least three things and like I think V you had made mention well we've all made mention that like parents are responsible for another human being and um it really like people have to remind me that where it's like no no you're raising a human being you're and i'm just like well okay <laughs> can i just sleep and smoke my hookah please like, you're like meanwhile like while you're trying to do this she just probably crawls all over you and is like hey i need this now <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah exactly hello, panda please for hello panda and juice please or meltdown which I respect because I want to have meltdowns as much as Babyzilla. 
I don't get to because socially it is unacceptable for a woman like <laughs> in her like late 30s early 40s to just melt down there's a whole lot of there there's a whole lot of stigma that comes with with us melting down um but yeah that's that's what I got so far <laughs> what's your thoughts uh Paris? um I, I agree with a lot that Shubs has said there, I think the, you know, I, I try to maybe adapt, at least my work has continued to adapt to the time and space that I can give it because it's not, it has changed. I can't actually stay in the studio for, you know, 12 hours, eight hours, six hours even. Um, and it, the studio is at home with me, but it, even being able to do that in um, a space is like learning that, you know, the balance is not fluid. It may not be easy. It's not necessarily an organic process. Um, and that that sometimes is a fantasy, the kind of idea of a fantasy of that you're supposed to juggle it all, uh, you know, easily and have it all. Those are, those to me are fantasy objectives. Um, that humans have balls drop every day. And uh, I mean, outside of the hormonal aspect of that, it's funny, but um, <laughs> in addition to that, right, it's just that it is happening. You sort of, I think the most important thing that try to I try to keep in mind is like not loathing the experience of being a mother, which sometimes it, it yeah. is difficult to do. And the, the fairness and the truth of it is that there are moments where you have to sort of check yourself and have awareness around how you perceive the experience of motherhood because it is it it can overcome you it overcomes a lot of people it's you know a lot of people choose to compartmentalize when they're trying to create uh any art and then at the same time think about what the space is for them to be you know the have that unquantifiable maternal guilt it's a burden mm -hmm. um because when you are creating you are you know you are creating other children so to say, you are creating other things that have a sense of competition um for your for your 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 time for your emotions for your your attention and so it is i feel like you can get devoured by that um, if you don't really constantly check yourself and, and Shub said it, have a community, you know, thank, thankfully the sisterhood that I'm in, you know, has really been so supportive to remind, you know, just how important it is, the work that you're doing and to keep you, you know, building on that, um, I think is so important. So it's just, it's, it's learning how to, to, I think, you know, understand that balance does not mean that you're supposed to be, you know, emotionally and physically, at your best at all times that part of that means that sometimes you may i, I joke when chefs was saying yeah it's not fair for adult you know beings to showcase their emotions but mothers of all times you know oftentimes have to cry in silence it's the mm -hmm. um you know i'm you're constantly juggling the emotion of like i can't ever let anybody know that i have emotions but i you know i have to because i have to take on the burden of everybody else's emotions mm -hmm. And um, just to add, I think Prowess and I are in a great spot where we can express said things because we are performance artists, because we are lyricists. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Prowess is like the best rapper I know and I will fight any hell about that. <laughs> I will fight a hoe, like, and you will lose. Um, <laughs> and I just roll around on stage and yell. 
in life. Okay, you know there's more than that. <laughs> we all know. I strip. I strip too. Insects and shields. Oh yes, the stripping is my favorite. That is like, the leg like, work, the body work, the floor work. We the see floor, you. The floor work, okay, is gymnastic style floor work for anybody that has not seen uh Shumzilla's performance because it was it was it raised the bar I'm gonna say that for for Magfest it was very interesting because I was like yeah when you came out of the door I just have to say it was just like the crowd didn't know what was going to happen and I love that moment when people just don't know mm-hmm. and whoo <laughs> what happens when people see it and you like hey, you play Castlevania I don't care I <laughs> She she puts puts the the mic mic we're all used to her like coming out with the mic yelling. She put the mic down and served. Both yeah. served. Uh, all of the floor work was rolling. The floor work. Arch people was just like <laughs> dumbfounded in this bodysuit. She had the outfit changes, legs was on point. Yes. Ding ding all the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I think we'll, I, like, I'm looking at the, like, our docket that, uh, or our agenda that uh, <laughs> Via so, has so, like, beautifully, like, given us. And I think we'll talk about it more, but there's, like, a sexuality part of being a parent, specifically being a mother or a birthing parent, that uh-huh. often, like, we're expected to just fucking eschew and just be like, well, you're not you know you're now a mother and you're gonna be a crone you cannot act as a maiden no more um which is ridiculous because if anything if there's any evidence that says somebody fucks it's that they had a child (laughs) (laughs) there's any evidence proof <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. What did I say last week about how like I know people do not just like ritualize the sex before having. Not all people ritualize the sex before they have like they're trying to have a kid. It's usually like, like oh here's here's what the baby's gonna look like, and then here's all the sheets, and here's the candles, and we're gonna make babies. And like no, I know that majority of the time it's not that. It's always like oh, we bonked and you just loaded it right in me. All right, so what's the plan? <laughs> yeah, What's the plan? <laughs> it is, yeah, exactly. It's okay to have fun. I, I'm not like disregarding that, but it's always just like someone forgot to control their cums. Like, let's be real. <laughs> Sorry, we just like dove right into nerdy and dirty. I was hoping to kind of touch I, on more points before getting yeah, there. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Planned, unplanned, sexually planned parenthood. <laughs> Not to disregard parents who do actually plan being like, okay, I do want to have a little one. I want to have a mini me at some point. So that, and that's totally fair. Like, I know that there's like parents who I've heard, I've heard stories of this, but I've heard they would get exhausted being like, we just fucked every single day during your fertil- fertility period. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. The endurance. That's cardio. I'm strength. I mean, you gotta tip your hat to this. The manifesting of like. Manifest a baby. Drop the loading screen combo. Oh, oh, okay, okay, cool. Audience, just this, you know, just create 
create your setting that you. <laughs> Sometimes All right. There's no setting. <laughs> so I both Priors and uh, Shebs, you guys addressed like how you're perceived and like things that you feel like you have to hide because you would be felt judged by society on like how you emotionally react during your moments of being a mother, whether if it's like feeling guilt of like not being there enough to actually like being there enough and dealing with the nuances, right? So um, please tell me, um, and this might get real hot, but like, what is the double standard with men? Like, what is their expectation as being an artist and also being a father? And like, what have you guys noticed in this world of being a musician? <laughs> oh. I think yeah I feel like there's I mean obviously this is sort of a we we live in a in a world that is no one really should have to defend the sacredness of motherhood um around the world right is everyone understands the importance but we still live in a very patriarchal society and sometimes I mean in our government's uh policies and puritanical attitudes and beliefs um, help underscore, you know, the reason why there is such an imbalance or imbalance between um, fathers and mothers. Uh, it's the, you know, domestic responsibilities or the parenting culture kind of ideas around what a mother versus a father is really supposed to do. Um, it's, you know, whereas a working parent is a working parent, but the expectation that, you know, fathers have a certain type of ability to escape some of those uh, requirements of, of rearing responsibilities or even to shift them um, because it is acceptable in society is not certainly acceptable when women, um, when mothers do the same, when it becomes a thing of, I have to say, I have to go to work, I have to do a particular task, I have to do a thing. Um, it's uncomfortable for people and it unsettles people because it's outside of the expectation of that, you know, this, like I said, puritanical fantasy that people have kind of had in their, their, their minds around what is a good mother and a good mother's, you know, and the idea of the housewife um, and what that looks like, you know, that you are supposed to be um, selfless and that you're supposed to um, give your entire life to your to your child. And that means to reduce any of your own happiness um, and the sort of those standard tropes that are around like, oh, you have to, you know, your whole entire life is built to serve from your physical essence of, of providing life or a pathway for the child to come through a vessel. It's also the fact that you have to sort of say, I'm going to sacrifice every single day of my life and sort of this nobility and suffering. There is a nobility in suffering for mothers. That's like, I hopefully gave my life for you and I gave my entire, you know, space for you. And um, I think that to, uh, you know, create that mindset is is dangerous but it is something that is out there that men don't have to deal with because the idea that they have to go to work and do their jobs and you know build this other opportunities for themselves it's not that they're giving their whole life it's it's more so i'm here to support you financially or economically um and so those things i think are like it's just literature that contributes to this you know narrative around motherhood that's just unreal is unconscious it's just not it's not a positive way of setting a trend so when people see you out doing that it's like oh you must be a bad mother or oh you must not be you know doing the right thing um 
So the judgment is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I mean, like, I, like, for me, I, like, often get little, like, jabs at that for my own elders, right? Because, like, my, like, when my mom was, you know, raising me, there was a point where she was a single mother because my biological father is a shitbag. Um, so a lot, like, I remember she, like, would work three jobs and, like, hustle these three jobs just to keep me in the school that um, I allegedly, supposedly wanted to be in. Um, So having her make that sacrifice and then like her seeing me do, do my, my whole whatnot, um, it kind it kind of clashes with what she views as motherhood um, and what I should be doing, even though she does actively support my endeavors. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, it, it's heartbreaking because that's what her and my other elders came to this country for, is so that I can do all this, right? Um, but at the same time, it's like, old mindsets die fucking hard especially if you're um you're juggling two cultures uh so like i don't know what that's like because i was born here right born raised here um but i imagine it being very difficult and for her there was a there was a lot of culture clashing that um my my father had to like help her learn but also unlearn some like very toxic traits and habits to raise me to be as well-rounded as they tried mm-hmm. to do maybe yeah. whatever um also too in regards to like the stay-at-home momship and what have you because outside of um outside of like music i am a stay-at-home mom and i understand and acknowledge that that is indeed a fucking privilege um, I'm finding, and so, and I'll do this just as a little quip. Um, like I will diminish my own role. Like, oh, I'm just. I think I was talking to like creative mind frame because we're, him and I are kind of the organize. Like we are very organized amongst our family in the NPC collective. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one PMing things, and I'm like the one actually answering emails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like not to put my brothers on blast, but y'all need to do answer your emails like. Just like post um, them, like, hey, not your hey, hey. Yep, exactly. And I say that out of love. Answer your fucking emails faster. <laughs> um, I don't care where you are. Answer them. Um, but, uh, you know, I remember having this conversation with him about like, oh, okay, like we can do this and that to really streamline our, like our merch process. And I told him, I was like, you know, you could just, hit me up what the fuck am i doing i'm just like chasing around my three-year-old like it's fine and he was like shubs you're raising a human being you're Mm -hmm. not just chasing around your three-year-old from what i've seen from like you know the family pictures you send like there's so much you do like being a mom from 
you know, what I see is a huge job. Like, you're doing more. And I'm like, well, yeah. But I can also, yeah. I can also answer an email. Well, wow. I, I did want to bring this up because um, uh, it was just part of the conversation that I was having with a woman yesterday about the fact that women wear so many hats that if you only know them from one field, you can't even perceive the other facets um, that they have. And with motherhood specifically and with running a home, um, there's so much mental labor and planning that isn't something that you can physically see, right? We can all see when the dishes get done, but you don't see the calculations of, okay, uh, how am I gonna plan the day? What schedule am I gonna keep for Babby? What foods does Babby like? And you have this like mental Rolodex of everything that's going on yeah. in your household. What is at um, eye level? They're gonna be on the floor. What's on the floor? What's our organization gonna go like? What's the flow gonna be like? And then you have touring on top of that. So it's like at the end of the day, there's so much other work. It's, you're running a corporation. You're running a business. When people are like, oh, you're just a state, there's no just. <laughs> there is no just. Thank you for no. raising that because I was just like, just a stay at home mom. What? <laughs> there's no just. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so you're ordering. And I was like, as an admin, I feel like, oh, yeah, we're the office moms. And that ended up like, yeah, we get paid for that. I get paid to make sure that like the kitchen stocks. I get paid to make sure that people are getting along. I get paid to make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to do. And on top of that, those are just already adults that I don't have to care for necessarily, uh, like the education that they have, the activities that they have in their day. Like I'm only responsible for them during the short window. There is no hanging up the motherhood coat ever. Absolutely. No, the maternal coat really, especially with being a woman in society, it's always expected of you through even if it's like it's not as blatant as like you are the woman you need to do this no it's all internal biases that come out as their ism right so yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i remember yeah. like there there are times like when Pras and i would be like out and about not just on tour but like like nerdcore days last year um when i dog walked them like three three white bitches remember that um and they were saying some very like inflammatory things about me as an asian woman because i call uh -huh. them out for like dressing up the same and i feel very uneasy when i see white people dressing the same yeah i feel very uneasy like like same, uh, wait, to, like, I, same I outfits my... like yes oh okay i just wanted to make sure <laughs> eighth group that came in with the same yeah. outfits and i was like i don't feel safe Very i don't feel safe for my family mm -hmm. like we we're we're i think we're in danger so I made fun of them and they said some very racially inflammatory comments and at the time prowess was speaking to her son and checking in on him yeah and then she kicked the door down and it was like you need a <laughs> You need to go somewhere else. And I was like, yes. I got them the fuck out of that bathroom real quick. Um, yeah. It, yeah. First of all, the, you know, that's what happens, right? It's like, how do you even, the fact that they, that that was their first, I don't know, the inclination to do, 
um, mm-hmm. because at the time you could have said, oh, you could have used any other number of, of things to but the, to attack someone's cultural identity and they didn't even attack it right. They were yeah. something that wasn't even actually like you've got the wrong the wrong Asian discriminatory yeah. term. Yeah, um, wrong Asian hoes, that was East Asian shit. I am jungle Asian as fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> out here. But like, like my like my point in bringing that up, other than it's like a very funny story where Prowse and I just tag team some like racist bitches out a out a damn venue that they don't get to go to, um, yeah. was that Prowse did that and like literally told these racist bitches off as she was speaking to her son. So yeah. not only do you have multitasking you have leading by example in regards to you don't like when when people are being like especially family when they are being like in whatever way oppressed whether or not they know it you stand up for that shit Mm -hmm. right and also and also nothing gets people more shook when you um, like than kicking a door and be like fuck out here and my um, son would have been he was none he was the same way right like it's like I, he wouldn't go for that no um, not at all <laughs> i i love hearing this though i mean it sucks that you, you endure this in the moment but it really shows your your kids even as an example like just leading an example like mm-hmm. hey when you see that bullshit happening you say something about it immediately yeah. and Absolutely. call it yeah like mm-hmm. you call it right out because i've <laughs> To kind of speak a little vulnerable myself, like my mom, unfortunately, was the type to stay very quiet about stuff. So that stuff, that example leading, I suffered from a long time because it's like, oh, let me stay quiet and just like absorb this. But some folks might receive that as like me being complicit. And so I have a hard time with like getting the word out. Um, and I've expressed before on this podcast, like this podcast has helped me to to say things what they are versus like trying to beat around the bush. Um, But Mm -hmm. I, I applaud any of the mothers who have like shown those examples to be like, no, you say something right in that moment. Like you tell people to fuck off. Like I'm here for it because I, I, I know what the other side is like. Um, And don't get me wrong. I love my mom. I love her dearly. Um, But that was something that I did grow up with where it's like, there was a lot of like silence to the bullshit that was happening in the moment. (laughs) And I think um, to piggyback off that, um, and I can only speak for for my experience as a first generation Asian American, a lot of what my family and other Asian families um, like we're so we're so ingrained to like assimilate, like you got to assimilate. You got, you know, because we already look fucking different and these hoes don't get that we do eat with our hands also. Um, so keep your head down, work hard, and you're going to get this, you're going to get a seat at the ivory table. Um, spoiler alert, we don't. Um, so like being quiet was definitely a thing that I saw also. Um, and yeah like the complicitness is hard because we see it as being complicit they see it as survival yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think there's a um there's a lot of analogous things around and 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 me and kylie know this a lot around like southern um 
uh, I'll just Dixie kind of behavior. Um, one of my closest friends is Japanese. We became good friends because I had a modesty cloth at work and she was like, I have never ever seen that <laughs> and I was like, yeah, my grandmother gave this model. I still use it. It's just built into my um, kind of, you know, thing to do when I had a skirt that was not quite covering where it needed to. And I didn't notice it until I got to work and I was like, oh shit, I have to go grab a modesty cloth out of my um, office. And she was like, and you just keep, and we, we bonded over that for a moment. Cause it was like, my grandmother does this <laughs> and it's embedded in my spirit. But one of the things I think that was like, we came to realize is that almost kind of escaping the mentality around like, even though I totally disagree with it or had issues with it, it's still embedded in the, the embedded in me so deeply that I can't really, it's like a cultural literacy you just can't get out of. It's just how I was reared. Um, and those types of things are very hard to, as Shubs is saying, like those types of cultural nuances are so hard to break out of, even though I might really, I, I'm not, I try to use all, everything I do in my day to day to kind of shatter those kinds of, uh, you know, um, cultural uh, relegations or regulations, I'm sorry, around how we should do something or qualifications to do something or, um, but even still, it's still embedded in the things that I do. And no matter how much I get, you know, through life, it's still that creeps in. And I some I have to check myself sometimes to be like, yeah, maybe I do. Do I need to have a modest cloth right now, or whatever the the particular pieces? There's a lot around, you know, saving face to to present an image that you know is. Um, my grandmother came from the you know from the 20s and um, being black and being in the south and for her it was like you have to be you have to speak better you have to talk better you have to be more educated you cannot use slang you cannot you know so everything was a pop if you use the word ain't you had to learn how to set the table appropriately you had to learn how to eat appropriately and so it a lot of that you know constant fixing um you know you have to prim yourself and um, you know, you just, you, in order to appear credible, sometimes it's more your proximity to whiteness um, for, for in, in that way is very much more considered to be like a thing. So as a mother, that's a complicated situation because it's not something I want to pass to my kid, mm -hmm. but I, it creeps into my day-to-day -to -day too, to be like, I do have to notify him though as a, as a, you know, person of color growing up as a black man growing up in the space. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, where we live, you have, a, he has a bias. I live in the East Coast where where I'm more likely to be pulled over by a police officer who's had some engagement with, with a person of color. Mm -hmm. um, almost impossible for them to not, you know, but there's like, that's not always going to be our, our world. And orienting, you know, raising a black man as a as a single parent is like impossible. It's not something that I can do mm -hmm. um, because I don't have, you know, I'm not a man. So, but I have to. But it's my it's my reality every day. So, you know, borrowing community to to serve that purpose. My dad serves, uh, you know, as a as a role model purpose. All the men in my life serve a role model purpose. Whereas I have to like scrub you if you can't be that, that a role model for my son or be in the space where he is like, it can't be around me. Um, so it's, it's, it carries over. I feel like those cultural nuances a lot more than I want them to maybe um, as a mother. 
Yeah, 100%. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I... It's so interesting. It's like, I know there's folks out there that will say, well, I'm not responsible for, you know, raising kids if they want to stay close proximity to you as an artist. But at the same time, it's like, if you respect that person, yeah, you sure as hell need to be contributing some ha- some way um whether it's yeah. like being a role model and you don't have to like sit there and just like you know teach them like life lessons every single time but it's also like setting the example of like how to act um i know when if, if i'm around any of my friends children like i it's not that i filter myself or tone myself back or anything like that but i am mindful about their space um and what yeah. they see and receive um and you know it's it's to me and it's probably like the older sister of me and also the uh the teacher of me like just kind of being mindful of the kids but also at the same time it's like you don't want to filter too much where it's like it's a not an illusion of what the actual reality is so it's just trying to find the balance there you don't you don't want to scrub the realness i love that v yeah that's that's the major deal yeah i I like you want that I like declare. I, I forgot what happened, but I was like, "Ah, crap!" And Babyzilla goes, "Crap!" <laughs> <laughs> my heart, my cold, smoke black, like Trosis heart, <laughs> was full. Um, but yeah, I don't really like. I don't really censor myself around my kid because I'm just like, well, you you and your little friends are going to be saying four-letter words all the live long day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I, I just, yeah, like, I don't. Not, I, I never believed in it. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's too, it's like you're giving a a very narrow picture. My my parents very much tried it with me, but in their lexicon, they curse like sailors. Uh, they drank alcohol. My parents at one point in time smoked cigarettes, right? It's like my life around me growing up in DC was like drug addicts in my family and dr- like I was exposed to it. <laughs> and they also were, I was at my grandparents' house all the time when it was like, my grandparents didn't watch me. I was outside in the neighborhood looking at everything, seeing everything. So you just can't, you know, but then I would come home and I would have to act as if I didn't know what something was, you know, it's like, well, oh, what's that? You know? (laughs) (laughs) So um, because music was such like a huge part of like my childhood and growing up, like music raised me, right? So, and we didn't have the censorship. I was allowed to listen to, you know, everything and anything and I you know my brother's 10 years older than I am and like my youngest aunt was like 15 years older so I had all of their music and um what I found most interesting was like it was cool to have the little sister that like knew the full song who could do all the curse words until I reached a certain age uh, and then it was like, oh, we have to form you to be like a proper young woman. Like it was no longer cool to be my brother's mini me, right? Now I was getting the messaging of like, oh, that's not ladylike enough, or uh, you like you need to dress this way. Like all of this messaging from my brother to turn around and see like that what he was attracted to was the complete opposite, right? And so it's kind of an interesting like filtration that happens especially within family of like not wanting you to be 
uh, seen as a, as a sexual object or like knowing what your friends are thinking, knowing what they're, they themselves think about women and wanting you to not be that um, mm -hmm. instead of like actually fixing some of those internalized uh, I think this is a good pivot into like sexuality. Um, yeah. Uh, Kylie, you're, you're silenced yeah, as a heads up. Uh, so I think I will pivot right into the kind of sexuality piece of like being perceived as like, are you still sexual? Um, what has been kind of the challenges between both of those things um, uh, for you as someone who's an artist, someone who's like raising a child um, and also like how to be a mom and still remain sexy. Like, I mean, you're always going to be sexy. Don't get me wrong. But there's always like the the gaze of like, not gaze, gaze with a Z. The gaze! With a Z. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of like, now that you're a mom, it's like, folks are like, oh, hmm, mm. And that's just kind of speaking on the devil advocate side of things. Um, so yeah. who'd like to start? <laughs> no, I'm just looking at chat, my bad. Um, what's funny about like, I guess postpartumness is that I really started feeling my oats and serving the children Quakers or bowls of Quaker oatmeal um, after I became a mother. So then you went, you, you saw the body suits, big hair, blah, blah, blah. Um, lashes all the live long day. Um, so for me, like knowing and acknowledging that people want to be like, oh, you're a mother, you have to act, you have to be modest, or you you can't go out anymore, you can't be sexy, and you can't talk about these things anymore. I was like, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a grown-ass Catholic woman. You can't do that. You can't do that here. So I'm going to be basically naked on stage. So eat it. But you have to pay first. But eat it. Um so that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at at least right now in regards to like postpartum and sexuality and also like not you know that is a part of my self-expression so why would I um why would I deny the privilege of anybody to see me roll around on stage but also why would I deny myself uh like my like full-fledged uh like genuine self-expression to appease people that ha that didn't go through like 36 hours of labor like no no you you get what you get there are no refunds at a shubzilla and build each show yeah that's real <laughs> i love that jopium said which i think it was uh, uh, oh no it was uh nate that said about j-lo's halftime performance and someone um, saying it wasn't ladylike, um, you know, she was a ladylike coworker saying, I wouldn't wear that or I wouldn't dance like that because as a mother, you know, it is a, it is such a, a thing. I feel like people have two different sort of orienting to, to mothers, either it's mill for Madonna and there's not a lot of opportunity for, you know, multidimensional experiences without that being like a bunch of alliteration but yeah it's like either a meal for madonna and you're you're there's the fetishization hello fetishization of the milf um experience and like you know this is what 
uh, as, a, as a sexual being, specifically because you are a mother, um, and and there's a you know sort of interesting uh, experience and excitement around that. Um, and then it's like women um, who are seen as the Madonna is like, well, I they're not sexualized. I cannot sexualize you. You are, you know, but then there becomes a thing around the slut shaming in between. I mean, it's hard if you're a mother who, you know, I have a, have a friend who's a mother who has multiple children and um, is uh, polyamorous. And it's like, it's fine if, if, I'm sure if she was not a mother, right, she had multiple partners, but it's like, how do you have multiple partners and you're changing living situations and breakups and, you know, it's very commune. Um, and it, and the focus on what's best for the children, as if to say that, you know, toxic, there's toxic monogamy that can be very negative for children too. There's abusive relationships that are monogamous that can be just as toxic for, it's just the mindset around like people think that that's supposed to be the reality of it. So feeling sexy and feeling like, you know, there is um, the slut shaming around like not acknowledging like women's bodies. I mean, hello, we're on the 50th anniversary or would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade today, but look at where we are. It is, you know, we are, it has now been overturned and we're, um, so with all of that said, so the admitting that a woman's body belongs or not that autonomy, but even as a mother, your body no longer belongs to you. It is a vessel that, that has given children and it is now meant to respond to those children's demands. It's supposed to feed them and now create, you know, do unrelenting tasks for labor for either emotional, social and caregiving tasks around that. So desire and libido and, even the idea around like mothers and birth control. Um, a lot of the times when you first ask for birth control after giving birth and shoves, I'm not sure where if they're still doing this, but at least when I was giving birth, it was like I had to go through counseling to first before I was able to ask for birth control because my um, OBGYN after that was like, it's such a prime time for you to, you're in baby making gear. Like, why would you choose to? Um, to do this, I want you to, there must be something it, in his head, there had to be some something wrong. It actually kind of prompted me to change my, change oh, my good, care. Because what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, no that, thanks. That, that <laughs> conversation did not happen with me. I want to headbutt your OBGYN in the face. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Yeah. And dare I say sexist and racist. Yes. Oh, you have to have more children. You're you're in your prime. I yes. leave me the fuck alone. My body, my choice. What the fuck? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's just it's it's you know. Yes, I I will say that has a lot to do with the growing maternal mortality rate among women of color in the U.S. That we are dying more of maternal morbidity than we are from anything else other except for um, heart disease still, which I feel like is also around the stress around being, you know, um, in, induced of notions around, you know, what it's like prepartum. Um, but yeah, but the postpartum experience and all of those types of things where it's like, you have to get right back in there on the horse and, and get more in. Why would you choose to deny yourself of like this uh, desire uh, of children. That's that's how I feel about <laughs> that. Sorry. Like, <laughs> no, that that's interesting. I didn't have that conversation because, not like, 
Also, I was considered my par- my pregnanantism was considered geriatric because I got pregnanant when I was like thirty five. Yeah. Wait, um, wait. Can you explain what that means? So basically, when your pregnancy is considered geriatric, it means that you are too old to like you're considered too old and at risk to have a children's. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, every, like, I would, I would often, like, be reminded of that, where it's like, oh, you're 35, like, you know, we gotta do these tests because, you know, your, your pregnancy is considered geriatric, and I'm like, how's you wish you looked this good when you, like, when you're geriatric, like, let, (laughs) call this all the live long day, I will push this child out of my vagina, and I did, with no fucking problems or whatever. And they were really, they were really out here, like giving all these tests and stuff. And I'm like, "How is I'm fertile? Like it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're good." And um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to change. That mindset is going to change within the medical community. I think it should, because mm-hmm. we're out here living longer. Um, I can't remember who had their kid in their forties, but a ton of folks. Ton of, ton of people yeah yeah out here having children and also too if if you know like the pregnanantism is geriatric then like what about like the folks that inseminate yeah like people the birthing parent like are they geriatric too because because yeah. i'm gonna call them geriatric you wish you looked this good exactly yeah I think about like, I mean, you think about Holly Berry and she gave birth to her son at 47, almost 50. I mean, Janet Jackson was was one year over 50, I think, when she gave birth. It, it, yeah. Christy Brinkley and Nicole Kim, and it's all so many women who are still work. Salma Hayek, who didn't even give birth to her first child till she was in her 40s. It's like um, the complications that have happened in the past and in the technologies that have happened in the past with with so many different uh, fertility um, aids. It's just sort of like, this is no longer, you would think that there would be a different conversation in the medical community by now, when there's so many people who are choosing to, you know, wait um, and make, it's making them happier parents where they don't feel like they have to monitor, which we've all heard the sort of proverbial clock um, no one wants to monitor that and be like, well, I got to get in there and get in. And the idea that, you know, if I if I don't, there is a, a serious, I think, conversation that has to be had, especially, I think, in and, you know, particularly sort of underrepresented communities around, like, if you don't have a child physically, that there is nothing wrong also with adopting, with, with surrogacy, with you know, th- there's nothing wrong with those things either. And there's an idea there is still in, in many um, in diverse communities, um, much more than 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 in, in white communities, where it's like the idea that you did not physically birth your children is is a thing. You know, it was like Beyonce got, I mean, nailed for all kinds of things when it was like not even known whether or not she had her physically had her child, but it was like, do you, she didn't have, that child was not hers. And so, and, and it's like, but why is it so important to y'all? Like, yeah, you don't take- and the immediate questioning of like her, like, yeah, 
if it was Nicole Kidman or Madonna, I'm just going to bring it up. Like, if it was anybody else, like, no doubts. But, like, with yeah. Beyonce, it was immediate doubt. Like, she, yeah. she, her branding, by the way, is, like, so mystical, <laughs> like, these days. So I know, like, Beyonce kind of has that mysticism about her. But at the same time, it's like, why is it your fucking problem? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, isn't it enough for her to actually show a, a baby bump for you to say that, like, to even just make the assumption that it's real? Like, because I, when I saw that baby bump, I'm like, okay, great. She's starting she's starting to add little Beyonce's to her family. This is awesome. And then I just left it be. But no, everyone yeah. else is like, that baby ain't real. That was a fake. But I'm like, oh, dear Lord. Like, why? Yeah. And it's like very much, uh, I, it's a very odd kind of a thing around, like, birth, this uh, politics of birthing and um, and I think that very much hits women of color more than anything because the perception is yep. that you're supposed to be fertile. Like yep. you, you can't birth your own children. What's up with you? Like you got something wrong with you, um, and that is not perceived. And for for white women, don't have to go through that. But yeah. you know, it is a total difference if if you're not. Yeah, or I think I, that also. I mean, oh, go ahead, chefs. On a like, I I mentioned this in in chat earlier but for for like white women to have their children especially like when they're geriatric geriatric or whatever it's considered revolutionary like oh my god they're doing it like they're having this child and it's and they're beautiful apple is a wonderful name for a baby um <laughs> you know meanwhile <laughs> the rest of us are you sure? Are you? Is, is this real? I'd like to see Beyonce name her kid Apple. Oh Lord! I think Lord. Gwyneth. I think Gwyneth Paltrow named her kid a uh, Apple. I was gonna say Afro. That's not right. I would be surprised <laughs> if she named her kid Afro because that woman is shilling shilling snake oil. But anyway, that's a, that's a different that's a different episode. I'm sure. Sorry. That's the thing is like where the the sex of the physical birthing experience too of like waiting the six weeks period and you know and then a lot of people don't choose to wait six weeks. I mean that's that's suggested, but that's been happening since forever since people could give birth. They don't have to choose to wait the six weeks and it's what's optimal. The doctors will say for your body to physically heal but some people don't have a choice. You know, the idea that like, or some people in the past didn't have a choice specifically, like now you do have a lot more women who are, who are in relationships do have a lot more autonomy to be able to say, I'm waiting the six week period. And then when I get this clearance and we can do this, but some women don't have that leisure. It is a privilege that, Absolutely. you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard stories of women just getting pregnant, like within four weeks after having yeah. birth. And that that is like, for me as someone who has not experienced that, that feels very like sus. Like what was the pressure for them to engage yeah. in sexual activity while they're still healing? Yeah, exactly. Like legit, that's on some Duggar family shit. That's on some yeah. Quiverful shit. Like that's f fucking horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Um. I was going to ask, like, <laughs> there's also the speaking of healing and bouncing back after having a child. Like, I know that there's been some controversy about 
your body, like how your body looks after having a child, how long it takes to have it heal or even maybe go back to where it was before having children or even like with mothers who still have like stretch marks or all anything, anything that like is kind of like what happens after your child. So like, do you guys want to touch on that a little bit? Well, the stretch mark situation, because that was a big, I will say that was a big thing for everybody to give me. There was always some cream and lots of shea butter, infused um, <laughs> creams um, around, which which was great. I didn't wind up, I guess, so I had so much tree nut fat in my my damn body at that point in time that they just didn't, they didn't come, <laughs> thankfully so. But also as, you know, as a teen, right, like that I, I wind up, my hips wind up getting stretch marks and all of those types of, and the cell regeneration that you have to go through and all of the things that are like, you don't want to have this issue. And so I remember at the time being like, oh gosh, it's such a, um, I better not have this eyesore. Let me make sure that I use this shea butter every, you know, every five minutes if I can put it on. Whenever I would think, I'd just rub it in to make sure. <laughs> so I didn't have any lingering. But then I think about the fact of like, what difference does it make now? Like, I really feel like the idea around the physical aspect of what your body looks like, like it should look like it has done the work that it has done. You know, when um, my grandfather worked on cars for his entire life, and when I would touch his hands, they felt like sandpaper. Um, he could put his hand on top of a kerosene stove and, and walk away and it didn't even bother him. So he put his gloves on top of it and just, and that kind of thing was like, Meh. but that his hands looked like what he did. Mm -hmm. and. I don't understand why the body should not look like what it does. And the idea around like, it's okay that your body is no longer the pre-pregnancy body that it was, but you have the choice of, of the, what you want it to be should be important to the person who has done the birth for, it's like, if I want it to be the pre-partum body, there's, there's the ability to do that. If I want it to be, where do I, where am I happy? Um, instead of focusing on like what the world wants to see, the idea that everyone's going in to be like, I need to do this mommy makeover while I'm also giving birth, which is, you know, contributing also to a larger death rate of additional, women are not getting anesthesia to have birth, but then are getting anesthesia for tummy tucks and breast lifts after having, you know, birth and abdominoplasty and all of those things and that that, that carries as large of a mater, uh, mortality rate as giving, as more than giving birth. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's just the personal criticism and the hallmarks of what is a, the mom body or whatever, the MILF body um, is why we have the pe people dying by the numbers from BBLs and all that kind of stuff. Like I just wasn't going to, I don't give up two shits about what, people think that the, 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 you know, attractive body should look like. Mm -hmm. Kylie, I we saw you leaning in a little bit. Did you have a comment on that? Right, so um, I think that's something that I really loved in the planning session that we had talked about uh, also as women of color um, and the idea that we are supposed to bounce back um, and follow these like celebrity diets um, but nobody talks about the physical toll that pregnancy takes on you. Nobody talks about the fact that like calcium is being leached from your bones and from your teeth and what happens when you're no longer taking all the vitamins for your hair and like your hormonal regulations and on top of everything else, they're just like, oh, but you have to look 
like fuckable right after, which is <laughs> wild because it was like the pressure to become fuckable again, like the what? pressure to become fuckable, yeah. but also you can't be fuckable because you're supposed to be taking care of that baby. Like, yeah, <laughs> choose or choose. or there is. I mean, with I, with fetishes, I mean, I'm telling you, I I will say that there has being in the last like quadrant of trimester of pregnancy, there's a lot of men who are attracted to women because, you know, as they say, I mean, it is a, a fact, I'm not gonna be vulgar about it, but the, the pregnant body produces a lot more fluid than, you know, when it's not. And so there's a lot of men who are interested in, in that experience. Um, and especially after you give birth to, your body's still producing a lot more fluid than it does. Um, it, there's people who are chasing that feeling and it's like they see you with baby and um, especially being a single mother I feel like in my first uh, year of having my son um, I would go out alone but you know men would assume that there was no man because they knew right like if I'm by myself and I'm somewhere and I'm trying to wrangle him it's like an immediate thing to be like need some help need a hand it was a lot of that um, and so the idea of like fuckable is an interesting thing. It's also like you're more preyed upon by, you know, sexual deviants, predators, all kinds of stuff who are just, you know, trying to utilize you as a vessel for their pleasure. Yeah. I learned during our planning session about the husband stitch. Yes. I had zero yeah. clue about that until I think what it was shoves that that you brought that up mm-hmm. yeah and then about this OBGYN that we all hate <laughs> yeah my 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 uh which was a lovely man before them but uh my my OBGYN gave me a husband stitch without asking which is essentially a um an extra stitch extra stitch in the perineum so that when you're healing um it makes the vaginal canal tighten even more um and i did not ask for it i didn't even know that he was doing it um until like an appointment for um you know later on for postpartum care and a nurse midwife had you know examined me and was like who stitched you up (laughs) you know and it was like my doctor and it was like why because i didn't know what happened and she was like yeah you were stitched super tight um and so did you have like really fourth degree tears i had like a first degree tear it was it was nothing bad at all um and so i thought it was different right but it was like yeah i didn't ask for for this um and a lot of the times um you know you you have to be mindful of what is happening during the the birthing process but i wasn't able to and my mother who was in the room but not during that period right was able to view my at that time my son's father was there but he didn't know what was going like he's not a medical professional so he wasn't paying attention and it was the idea that my doctor felt like yeah but i have but my doctor's prioritizing even his pleasure not even asking if we're together which we were we're not at that time (laughs) prioritizing his pleasure over mine is a you know just 
the pro I could can't even process the violation of my most vulnerable time and to use that like the medical injustice that goes on to be like I did not the the onus is on the provider to get consent consent is key in everything especially in the you know the medical process but it's just like oh for for future that you're you're always going to make some man happy when I'm going to give you this you know objective experience so that you'll never have to worry again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I will say that you have a lot of love and support in the chat <laughs> from sharing that story. And thank you, Prowse, for sharing um, that. Like, <laughs> Zay's ready to fuck some people up. <laughs> See, but, <laughs> but yeah, but just like the fact that extra stitching, like our bodies are designed to heal a certain way. Like this isn't some you know, alien process that we're going through that really needs too much extra attention, right? right? Like our bodies are built to do this, to heal in a certain way, to, to stitch back organically. And when you cut, instead of letting something tear, when you add extra stitches, you're creating extra problems, extra scar tissue that might not be forming in the right alignment um you're prolonging the healing process and then when you do or if you do decide later on to have births like you may be more prone to tear along those stitches than you would to tear along a previous tear like it's yeah. just wild to me that yeah. they would ask first like people in the and Ugh, yeah, and that you're the idea, like you said, Kylie, I think goes back to repeating what you said around like the idea is after to repair tears and lacerations and stuff, not to bring the vagina to make it more tight for intercourse. Um, and, and it is very a uh, hyper kind of uh, masculine kind of hyper heterosexual kind of mentality too, because who's to say that I even was interested intercourse physically with it's just a lot of assumptions made that it just kind of like you think about later like well, who's to say that intercourse is even interested that I'm interested in that like um you don't know how I became pregnant or what that looks like right it's just a lot of thoughts yeah uh that's so disgusting I'm sorry I'm still like because there's always procedures that like doctors are always going to like advocate for but I don't know if that's something that is like really in their expertise or if yeah. it's them through their own internal like their biases or if it actually puts more money in their pocket like I don't know what the reason is but like all in all it's still against your um agency um yes and it's still against your will and it's not and it whole and wholeheartedly like uh, it advocates for the fact of why we have to advocate for ourselves in the office like i can't say i were i i've been through something that extreme but i had to tell doctors like straight up in the office being like i can't take these a b and c birth controls and they're like oh well we'll have you take it anyway i'm like no like i can't do that or the amount of times i have to tell a doctor i'm allergic to ibuprofen and aspirin do not give yeah. that to me like, I have to say it five plus times in the office. Like, do not give me that shit. I will have an allergic reaction and I could die. Do not give that to me. And they're like, oh, no one's allergic. I'm like, I am. Like, I can't, like, why do I? And I, and it's like some of the times where I have to kind of get like 
emotional because I have to be because I'm advocating for myself because it's like I have to be stronger with my words and my tone because it's like what the fuck like you're not listening to me I'm allergic to these things so it just it sorry I'm I'm pissed on your behalf (laughs) as we all are and I'm uh sorry it's just it's just like super trife in the in the famous words of prior or testaments it's very trife it's very trying. But also, like, Hell. something that you brought up, you, like, really rung a bell of, like, are they getting paid? And to me, it's like, oh, yeah, like, doctors are graded on, like, a sliding statistical scale of how many procedures they've done, how much they can say, oh, yes, this was a successful procedure. And especially if you were trying to, like, go and shift to a more lucrative medicinal field of doing more cosmetic surgeries having that as a check on the box of being like oh yeah I did this procedure and it was successful like we literally just become numbers in that game and we're not being treated as individuals and it is like oh I don't really necessarily care if this was something that was needed but I need it for my professional like accolades I need it to be competitive in my field which yes that is a thing there's a there's i feel like there's a lot of competition for that and 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 to understand your doctor's cultural preferences because my doctor was east indian but he you know he told me like the his bedside manner very much changed when i became pregnant my mother he also performed my mother's hysterectomy so this was a family doctor right so for him this was he said something about validating at the time because, um, you know, for him, the more children, the merrier. It's like, who would ever have a single child? Like, your mother was, you only are the only child. That's kind of, uh, uh, in his eyes, culturally, was just not sensible. Like, why would you ever do that? And so I'm going to make it sure that you are not stuck with that curse. But also, too, for him, it was like, he told my mother, I couldn't, I'm sorry, I had to take this away from you, but look, I gave her you know, this extra life falls to say, like it was very much like a video game thing. Like I took this from this orb and I put it in your daughter now. So, you know, even though I had to unfortunately perform this act to remove your ability, she's got the she's got the power now you know it was very much a weird experience in that room when he told my mother that like basically something to that effect like look i took yours away but i gave it to her or something to that um but culturally he felt like that was just not sensible for him because it's like yeah you don't you know and a lot of um, I didn't even learn that until later that a lot of East Indian OB- OBGYNs do prioritize multiple ch- children um, and prioritize the experience of that. So um, it is it is important to know to go, if you are trying to have that, like you do want to go to probably an OBGYN who is culturally oriented in that way, who believes in that. It's a different thing if that's not what your goal is. So I wouldn't have even ever put that as a lens and what I was learning, you know, when I was going to a doctor, you think you just go to the best doctor. Yeah. I'm glad we're in a society where we're allowed to ask questions and to raise these questions. Yes. Um, or not society, our culture has shifted to that, excuse me. Where before I remember going to the doctor and just being like, this is what I'm dealing with, all right. And now I'm like, oh, someone's gonna try me. I want a new doctor. Like, yeah. I do not have the time. <laughs> 
All right, uh, let's go ahead um, and kind of kind of do something that's like a little bit more full circle. So like I we talked about kind of the strifes of, you know, motherhood in your brand and in your artistry. And so what are some things that you, uh, Shubs, what do you do to try to like, like get in the mindset of remembering like who the fuck you are and this is what I stand for um, while being a mother? Um, well, I guess pregame, I'll, uh, I'll tell our sisters and I'll tell Bill Beats that I'm nervous as fuck and like everything is bulls um and then they will talk me down from that ledge and that's kind of how i'm reminded of who i am and then like when i'm like doing my makeup and all that stuff like it's like war paint right so like these lashes will catch arrows are so long and dense stuff <laughs> you know so so that's kind of where i'm i'm in with that where i'm just like no you are the legendary shubs motherfucking zilla like hoes quake in their boots when they see you because you will stomp them in yours um also too like this is just a weird thing that i do because like well it's not weird um so i have very flat asian hair she's flat she's beautiful but like volume is a struggle that we have every day we fight her and you know it's fine it's what we do so like i will usually have my hair and like a top knot and then right before we go on like i'll take it off and like sh basically do a shake and go except it's my natural hair <laughs> to do a little shake and go and then you know what's good y'all i'm shubzilla this year's bill beats and like get into that whole spiel and honestly, like when I like tell people who we are, it also is like a confirmation for, well, definitely me. Bill Beats is a man of mystery. Um, <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Bill Beats so it's like, it is a declaration for the both of us that, like, yes, here we are on stage. You do want this, I assure you. Um, and all that shit. So that's kind of how, that's kind of where my mindset is. And then in regards to me, me being a mother, I'll straight up tell people that they need to buy our shit and they need to subscribe to our Patreons because I have a three-year-old to feed and she eats a lot of rice. And I'll just be like, feed my kid, feed my kid. I'm on the clock, buy a shirt. Please thank you and now. You Stop know, fucking playing really with fight. me. Buy my shit. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will take your. Like at at one point, I like told people, especially dudes, like, buy my shit. Also, this is a robbery. Give me your wallet, your keys, your phone, your belt, your shoes, and your passwords. And you will lay face down. You will not look at me because you've seen what I look like, and. I'll throw you a shirt in the size that your partner wears and you'll get nothing Ooh. except you, you'll, you will say thank you. That is what you will do. You will say thank, thank you. May I have another? All right. <laughs> there's a little bit of arousal happening. <laughs> this is what I, there's a little bit of arousal happening here. 
Yeah, it's like, like this is why do I feel benefited of when I'm the one who's getting shaked down? Like Cubs <laughs> look so tall from down here. <laughs> yeah. I said good day, as Mark fucking Cooper has said in chat. But yeah, like shit like that when I visualize like, okay, you're not only taking care of what you gotta do on stage. You're making sure that you're doing your part to make your music partner look good, that you are taking care of your family and also setting an example for your child that this all can be a thing that she can do. She can have, if she wants to be a parent, she can be a parent and she can still fulfill whatever the hell it is that she wants to do. Um, I'm kind of like Uncle Bill has already gotten her like DJ deck, so I think she might end up being a producer. I'm letting her know that she wants to like do like paid work as our chief of security. Good. More than willing, more than willing to let that happen. So, you know, things like that. There's opportunities, there's leading by example, and there's manifestation, I guess, to get mad esoteric. I love that. No, and it's just like remembering like who you are. Like you're like, yeah, this is who I am. And this is how I reinforce my branding. This does not say anything about how I am as a, well, how do I put this? It actually contributes to actually how you are as a mother. It's not even like taking that away. Like, yeah. Like you're just firmly being like, nope, I'm still me. Uh, Priris, what's your, what's your takes? Um, I, I think every time I feel like a lot of what Shelf said is so funny because it's very similar. The idea of prep around how I feel on stage, um, and the idea of going on stage, which is like my the, then you feel like that's your power place. You know, it's like um, there there have been times when I have been exceptionally like maybe timid around uh, the mic and uh, presence on the mic. So when I got to be, well, probably after a couple open mics or something, when someone corrected me and was like, yeah, put your mouth in that. <laughs> like, these let these motherfuckers hear what you have to say. And very much like that. And it was a man who told me that, who was like, these are the, they don't have nothing to say. I don't want to hear what they have to say. These are the mics, mute them. But I want to hear what the fuck she got to say. Turn her shit up. And But that kind of mindset is what got me excited. So in my head, it's an MOP concert in my head at all times. Like when I get the mic, I'm going to be aggressive on it. I'm going to I'm going to be voracious on it. I'm not here for pretty pictures and smiles and, you know, like yes. I'm not here for photo shoots. I'm here for destroying this, this, this mic. I'm here for making sure that I can execute a song. Um, and, and destroy yeah. you do, sis. <laughs> like, yeah. destroy you do. Like, woe to the hoe that tries to <laughs> battle with you. I woe mean, to the hoe. <laughs> like, woe to the hoe for real. I will hype you. I will be that. I will be that person on like fucking the grind time or whatever that like there's like a bunch of people and there's battling and stuff. I'll be the one jumping up and down like, oh shit, she got you. That'll be me. <laughs> like... That's the, that's what I love about it. It's just like, there's been, uh, I, I, um, I've come from the open mic experience where, you know, if you don't get on that mic and command, like just being a woman and coming up to the stage where people will just like walk away. Cause assumedly 
she's about to talk about this content, you know, this content, or I don't want to hear what this woman has to say. And especially in DC where people can be very dismissive about like, so it's like, I've had to tell people like people left out of the room, yeah, get your ass out of here. Cause you don't want to be here when I get ready. <laughs> yes. You right now. And that moment, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and it's, it's a uh, fuel. I've had people come leave out of the room and then come back in feeling bad after they were leaving. I was like, no, no, you, you can go. This wasn't for you because you don't need to be a part of this experience. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Because they end up just my shit too. <laughs> exactly. And talking your shit, like I just don't. In that moment, like I am, I am my own physical God. I am who I'm praying to in that moment. I start my performances with the, I used to, I recorded the song now, but but this song Say Amen that I have was like, it was never recorded. I would start my shows like that because it was like, y'all about to pray in this experience, but y'all don't even know y'all praying to me right now. Yep. And that was the time that that was, the song eventually got recorded because everybody was like, you don't, don't have the song, you know, and which I understood it was an important thing to be able to record it but it was because every time it's different and you want to be able to say i don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when i get ready to put this song on um but yeah there was it's just the idea of like making sure that everybody is in one place and time kind of uh i love the idea of the evangelical moment of like when you are in a church it does not mean religious it means just i'm in a space where we are acknowledging you know kind of this communal idea and concept and belief that we are all in here and designed in one one space to do a sp specific objective. And yeah, sharing in that moment. So I was like, I wanna bring church into my performances and not in a worship way, more so in a celebration and the cel in the, the liturgy way of being able to say, yeah, this is about to, let's, let's have fun, enjoy, you know, bring your, bring the hecklers cause we gonna get them involved too make use of, I like the making use of your voice and letting people know that you're, you know, about your business when you, when you command the, the mic. Um, Cause you know, a shubs can attest to this. A lot of the times, you know, I have been confused. I was at a show on Wednesday and pretty much everybody in the room knew me and still one person who, you know, had not known who I was, was like, I thought you were somebody's girlfriend on the stage. That's what he Ew. said. <laughs> yeah. So I saw you. yeah and he thought that was a like that's a weird thing but but we all get it i thought you were the merch girl i thought like or the merch babe or whatever it is or i thought you were somebody's yeah yeah partner or whatever but it, that's what he said i thought you were somebody's girlfriend on stage like i saw you but then i but then you came out and i didn't know what i didn't know what, yeah well you know don't let this be a lesson to, for your ass to not think that next time you see a woman backstage on stage off stage like what the hell do you think you know like assume that everybody is somebody mm -hmm. <laughs> mark <laughs> cooper said something really uh, it's like shit is awful and then after the fact they want to collaborate <laughs> <laughs> yes like you will pay you will pay me for my collaboration time you hoe um <laughs> no it's it's interesting because like i too have like a like um like a prayerful, prayerful song, um, as well. It's um, oh fuck my life. It's called Prelude off of the Belmont tapes, which y'all can get at noirgrime.bandcamp.com. Pay me, um, like speaking, like you know, like we have, like we have these, like, and I love that about us. Just like we have these, like, songs where we like draw 
draw in power, you know, mm -hmm. and not that we need it, dare say. However, like, it's just an added thing. Like, we are divine. We are sacred. Yeah. And if you do not listen, woe to you, ho, because you are a part of the damned, right? Yeah. Um, and also, too, like, <laughs> speaking of... Uh, we thought you were the merch girl because somehow definitely said that to me like a DC the pie shop. Oh yes. Oh yeah. yes. They all thought I was the merch girl, <laughs> y'all. They learnt real quick. Because like with um with Prelude, there's um a part where Bill Beats will kind of scratch and whatever. It's kind of my time to like just talk at people. And I kind of went in and it was like you know, like I, I saw red, so I was just like, fuck what you think. Like the audacity to call me the merch girl. Well, here's your fucking merch girl on stage right now. And I like went to my booth and I was like, you want to see merch girl? You will buy all of my fucking shit because I am a mother and I like need to bring home something so that people can see that this is all worth it. And like I went in and the same person, and of course he was white, and the same person, um, who came up to me and said that I was like your set was so wonderful it was it's so beautiful da, 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 da. and I'm just like I know now give me your wallet your keys your phone your belt <laughs> lay face down and don't look at me this is a hold up and bitch you thought basically bitch you thought bitch you thought um Yes, I know how you got where you got, eating pussy all the way to the milk <laughs> Shout out, Riako. <laughs> Shout out, Riako. Yes. Yes. I, I love like the, how, how uncomfortable, speaking of that, though, that, that is, those are the things that are like, that does irk me if I still get personal about it. Just the fact that like people dare try to censor or say things that are, um, what they try to do is weaponize children or the idea of family being present to be like, that's not something you're supposed to say in front of children or family. And it's like, um, this is a, you know, it's, MAGFest is a celebration of music and gaming. Um, and so the two things together are very much antithetical to censorship. If you bring your children to something in that contains gaming and music, you can ensure that with the gaming, are you are you concerned about your child being present to see tournaments on Street Fighter or even Super Smash Bros or, or half of the stuff that is being played um, in tournaments at MAGFest? Because it's like your child can go do that or go to a, you know, to a tabletop game or see that, but can't be at a performance that has the same language. It's a very, you know, interesting kind of nuance or whatever that people offset this kind of mindset around, oh no, it's this woman saying this thing and, and ultimately getting around like, you're, you're a puritanical, patriarchal piece of shit. The fact that you want to try to censor that and you're using children to say it, but you, you're not even thinking about the setting and the space that you're in. So it don't make sense because, you know, there was a time and a place for all kinds of things for there. Um, I just, I don't, I hate that. Cause it's nice to say that like, I grew up, I was listening to Snoop Dogg at seven and six. <laughs> I remember all of us little badass kids would try to like yeah. run to our homie's house when their parents were at home to watch scary movie. Like, yeah. and it was all because of the famous scene of some girl getting stabbed in her boobie and like a implant comes out. Like it's, yeah. it's one of those things like, 
as much as like the children it's like children are gonna get into shit regardless of how much their parents try to like exactly try to censor it but like it's like one of those things like we not fuck around like literally but just like kids will fuck around to find out like that's just what it is like so it's just like having these healthy conversations about it that's a whole different story not trying to like say like oh don't look at it you'll never know about it because sex is just butterflies and uh birds and bees and shit (laughs) it excuses that you don't have to have to contextualize things for kids and instead of being a it's like weird being a parent to you means uh you know avoiding it versus having it introduced and then having conversation which it should be provoking you to do with your kids a very strange thing yeah all right ladies how are we feeling any last words um so we've got everyone has merch here um in like we we don't have a PO box. No one has a PO box, but um, give us your money in the form of Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. If you're feeling weird, yeah, PayPal, sure. If you know our addresses, send us a check and it better clear. Um, buy some merch, or give us your money, and or give us your money. Um, I believe uh, just to just a shout out the the uh, Lady Blurds here. Uh, there is merch. They've got hoodies. For those Thank of us at you. MAGFest, we fucking slept on our shit because all of us were lit as hell and we did not <laughs> purchase one. However, now is your chance. Get a fucking hoodie. Get one. Ugly. Several. Several. Yeah, like get get one for the whole family. What's the next, uh, what's the next uh, fucking holiday? Valentine's Day? Sure. Like, <laughs> You love your family. Get them a get them a Lady Blurred's hoodie and show them that you fucking care and you, that you support black women and their voices and all the things that they do. Thank you, Shams. Or be that or be that hoe that that does it. Like that's fine. We see you. Yeah. See you. Also, we do go all the way up to 5x, so like we are not playing. They are true to size. Um, my grown ass uh, self fits a 3x. So if that just lets you know, we are out here representing and don't feel like, oh, I can't buy it because blah, blah, blah. No. Because <laughs> blah, blah, blah. We don't want to hear that. Blah, blah. Bye. Yeah, we got cuddling sizes. That's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Double even the one that's an XL that I have, it's still a little big. Like, so it's like one of those things, like they're very roomy. They're made good. Yeah. Mo, Mo, wherever you are, we love you, dude. Yes. Repping for the big, the big boys, the big girls, big girls, girls. <laughs> what about your, what about your merch, Shubs? Where can folks get your merch? Uh, y'all can get my merch at shubzilla.bandcamp.com. I have various accoutrements, and then I'm um, trying to sweet talk Bill Beats into screen printing more things for me. We <laughs> do have, we do have like an in-house like t-shirt printing thing, and then of course the sound booth and. We've got a lot. We've got a lot. Multitasking. Um, but yeah, get get yourself a Queen of Petty shirt or like a gaggle giggle gossip shirt because I know y'all be doing that because y'all do it with me. I'm the one, I'm the one you got to. Um, and also like a Shubzilla shirt or even a Noir Grime shirt. Like get one of those too. Yeah. You know, just, just get all of our shirts. 
Sure, just, sure. just throw the whole wallet at Chubbs at this point. I, I am I am totally interested. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sponsor this, but I'm like, I think we need Noir Grime baseball jerseys, and I will I will figure out a way to make that happen. I don't know how. But, but, um, Yo, I'd rock a good baseball jersey. Well, because Chubbs, I mean, it's, a, it's part of, it's one of the dopest, like, just joints that's ever, when you come out in it, and it's like, it's just... I don't know. It's, it's it's baseball at that point in time. You know what I mean? Like in my head, it's like when you when the announcer comes out for baseball and it's first pitch and it's like it's time to go, motherfucker, suit up. Like that's where and it, it feels that way. So I'm like, I need a new hard rhyme baseball jersey because that means it's time to go. <laughs> so, fun, like real quick fun fact about that uh, baseball. Uh, Jersey. It was once Bill Beats until I commandeered it and was like, well, now I want it. Um, we're yeah. all gonna eventually, we're gonna do like kind of a bourgeois um, calendar us us women and envies of, of nerd music and what have you. Um, and one of those was gonna be that that um, you know, that, that uh, baseball jersey and Possibly something, maybe a fabric, maybe nothing. But that was gonna Ooh. be my maybe nothing, maybe nothing. Of course, in black and white, of course, because that's <laughs> gonna be I got to be red. <laughs> but yeah, so I took that and I was just like, well, this is mine now. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Shout out to Bill my hoodies that he's bought for himself, but they're mine. They're mine. I'm ready for this boudoir like calendar. I want it. I want it on my wall. I want it on my wall all year round. <laughs> all right. Um, so <laughs> speaking of shouting out those who are deserving, uh, we want to shout out the lovely Shubzilla as an individual this time on the show. She is our Big Move Monday. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I just we just want to celebrate you because like the amount of years and time of like not only like you just pioneering like your rhymes in the nerdcore scene as a queer woman, but also the advocacy that you've done throughout the years as well. And so like oh. we see that. <laughs> I remember my first panel with you, which felt like years and years ago, and like you just taught me to be like really stand for your shit because I remember you really dug deep in that white boy that tried to like infiltrate our panel so <laughs> oh yes yeah oh yeah so, like that and that was the, and you know what rest in power to Keen um because he gave us that space with which to do um just long story short this white dude like basically kicked the door open and was like this is the FBI which he did not say to people of color um and like apparently it was like a thing that he just like would come in and like try to be a part of the panel and that just wasn't what he was gonna do with his panel so we all went in on him and like that was the first time where I really got vocal about what I am choosing to stand for and also too um I'm gonna like and I remind people this all the time but I'm gonna remind you alabasters and people that are not black and latinx that us as like not black and latinx folks we must remember that like 
hip hop was not built for us. We're guests to this culture and this movement. And we need to treat that with respect. We need to, we need to like take our shoes off at the door and make sure we greet the elders, right? Because we don't have to be welcome to this space. The space is not ours. We're just renting. So that being said, like honor the predecessors of this. Don't rap over your vocals. Be prepared with, be prepared with your beats for the DJ. You know, and um, and really, honestly, like believe Black voices, believe Latinx voices. You know, like regardless of gender, age, what have you, ability. Like we need to do this and be better stewards for our Black and Brown family, because without them, we would not have this beautiful culture and this like beautiful slice of American history. So like honor that, like I take it fucking seriously and I think everybody should as well. Um, that was mad serious. My no, bad, no. But y'all, y'all know how I be about that shit. Cause like I will, especially if they're, if they're like Asian, I will drag a hoe for days. Be like, don't fucking care. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's that, and like, I guess going back to the to the big boot move. I was gonna say boot, uh, big move uh, Monday. <laughs> big boot not Monday, big, not big boot. Um, <laughs> big yeah, titty like, Monday. <laughs> like I, I like, I'm not hiding myself on that sort of advocacy because I feel like we should all be doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm just happy that I've been. I've been invited uh, to stay and be a part of a space of uh, revolution and of um, and of activism. Yeah. Yeah. So hooray. Yeah, the respect is real from us to yeah. you, Shubs. Seriously, like you've been doing Absolutely. the damn thing. I really appreciate that you, like, first and foremost, will advocate for communities of color. Um, and that's your priority because we understand like how because you you basically understand like how like disadvantaged folks are and like just being like this is what needs to be brought to light like folks folks need to be more vocal about this um so that's why we pick you as our big group money as an individual uh um and not to discount bill beats whatsoever because we love we love nick like nick is great um there's no but after that statement Nick no, is literally my favorite you cisgender but. straight white man. Like, I see. Well, no also the celebrating. I mean, I've, that is also a critical aspect of of hip hop is turntablism and the DJ. Like the, the MC is nothing without the DJ. It is a companion piece. Yes. And yeah, that is like something that people forget. But when you trace hip hop's trajectory. The DJ is an integral part of this experience. So yeah, I love that. Uh, anyway, that <laughs> Bill Beats represents that all the time. Classic, oh, yeah. and, you know. Yeah. yeah, and like, I learn a lot from when Bill Beats and Prowess just talk shop about different artists and what have you. Because if there's one thing about Bill Beats, not only can he scratch, not only can he engineer and like create a beat on the spot, Mm-hmm. He's 
studied this culture. Exactly. Studied the artists and what have you. Um, you know, and both him and I are like big fans of Boom Bap. So like I guess that's one of the things we're like, yes, we'll work together. Um but you know, again, another another part of what it is to be an accomplice to this and yeah. advocacy because he's also spreading spreading that the wealth and the um like by example that this is very much a part of hip hop. Yeah. And respect it because that gear is heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no bullshit. Yes. 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 So um moving right towards the end here, uh there is one more thing I do want to address in terms of our editorial attention this morning. Uh there was a tragedy that did strike in um Monterey Park, which is in SoCal, um on Lunar New Year. Uh, towards the uh, Asian community, or what we can heavily assume was a hate crime towards the Asian community. So um, we don't have any confirmed resources yet on how to support any of those families, but if anybody sees anything of how we can support, whether there's like a verified GoFundMe, or for us to even repost any of their resources, uh, Lady Blurs will try our best to advocate on that end as well. Um, It sucks to hear that there was another mass shooting. and clearly, like, there needs to be, you know, very much so reformed gun laws. But in the meantime, like, what we can do is try to support the families who've been harmed. Um, any notes from that, ladies, before we continue? Um, Prowse said in chat, they're going to try to say different, but it was a hate crime. It is. Um. It's fucking atrocious, especially during the timing when it is to be a uh, a holiday of celebration. And dare I say, here is another example where a group of color has had a tragedy happen, um, where many of us were killed and injured. And we only this happened at 10 p.m. last night. We only heard about it um, in the past, like couple hours they have been covering it for about at least five or six hours by now but that's still late versus other versus other tragedies that have happened to people predominantly white where it where it gets denounced almost immediately and while people will give their thoughts and prayers all the live long day we must always acknowledge and like respond and not just like some f- fucking Facebook post, because we can do that all day, yeah. right? That, yeah. that We can perform that. But we need to respond monetarily or even just speaking about it IRL, face-to-face with people, that this cannot stand, you know, like, it's another tragedy befalling a group of color. And yeah. we're not hearing about this to the extent we should be. Hmm. Right, and, and the shooter's yeah. still at large. They they have a manhunt going down. Yeah, the, that's the the massive part that's the most angering. I think, like, I'm shocked and saddened and heartbroken. But it's like this this gunman is still at large, and I that there would be a massive manhunt. It would be all over the news, and it, and it reminds. I mean, the most recent shooting that this got compared to right now is Uvalde, but very similar where the police are just like, what's going on? It's just, I don't understand what 
Um, I know Governor Newsom has made a statement and has put, you know, things in place, but it's it's the police, the local police have to like do their jobs too. They, it's not just the govern, you know, the, the lawmakers that have to say something. Like they should be out there hunting the streets to find this person. And I'm shocked that they haven't been found already. Um, I mean, the thing that really bubbles me is that we're not like in the era where surveillance on the street is impossible to get a hold no, of. You're true. in Los Angeles. Yeah. You there are cameras uh, up up out the wazoo. Uh, so you're telling me that you can't trace this person even from a satellite. Like our satellites are so good. We have a timestamp. People calling in that you can't immediately have the access at your disposal, like to find this person. Mm -hmm. um, and they have the weapon. They have the weapon. They, they seize the weapon. He, he, he. Um, so you would think like this hasn't been dusted and fingerprinted, and they are like out like forensics. What is ha is just. Yeah, my hearts go out to that because I'm just like I don't understand. Like you said, Kylie, how do they not have this? Is in the middle of of an area that is riddled with, from what they're saying, like this is the, this venue is on a street where there's a number of businesses. It's not like it was just an, you know, isolated place or something. Yeah, what is going on with that? 100%, yeah. Yeah, and like such, such that like, they had to cancel the second day of Lunar New Year at this particular community because everybody like, like clearly like safety is important so this this how not only like committed these atrocities and whatever and what have you because these are atrocities v is right this dude's a murderer and a terrorist uh -huh. we don't you know she said what she said hoes and we'll back her up on that um but he halted a cultural celebration yeah. Um, you know, dare I go into the laundry list of what Asian Pacific Islanders have contributed to American culture? You know, that's a whole that's a whole ass episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's fucking atrocious. And you know, yeah. I'm gonna put money on it right now, sisters. If if the shooter is white, if he's white, he's gonna get taken into custody. He will not be shot at. Mm -hmm. He will not, he will be considered lone wolf and he will be, his, his history of mental health will be out on display, which is a shitty thing, by the way, but like to, yeah. to make him this sympathetic person, we all know the more melanated an aggressor is or a suspect is. They would be killed on site. You know it would be KOS. But I'm gonna put, put money on this. Yeah. Not really. I, I I need to save my money. But like proverbial dollars, this person's white, they're gonna take him in. They're gonna take him into custody. And he's not gonna get the sentence he deserves. Yeah. Okay, they might take him to breakfast first, just depending. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they're gonna give him some that burger king. They're gonna give him some chicken nuggies. Yeah, chicken and it's a, it's a shame that whether it's a parade or um, an LGBTQ gathering or a classroom or a grocery store or a church or a spa, where can you be safe as a person of color in this country 
it's just astounding with this is now it's war right it's like if this was any other situation people of color are under such duress and in a space of war we are being hunted every single day of our lives for living and existing and breathing that is something that like has to be processed beyond just like gun violence yeah, it's gun violence, but it also was like, how do you, we're expected to just go on with our lives today and tomorrow as if like nothing happened, go into sign into work and you're and you're being hunted. You know what I mean? It's, it's for people who watch like Alice in Borderland, we're a constant king of spades up in here, okay? And that's just not, you can't, what does that do to a person's mental health? Um, it's just, it's so upsetting and, and there is no words that I even have for that, where you can't exist in a world, in a society, because you are constantly running from um, a gunman every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely that. Okay, thanks ladies for um, always showing your hearts on your sleeve on this podcast. Like seriously, like these are important topics and we're the ones to bring it up so that way the conversations become more not normalized, but to show that there is a reason why we need to bring these up because we have to bring these up. Um, on that note, we are at the end of our episode. Thank you so much for those who are, have joined us here on the chat. I see Ryako, Jopia, Mark, um, who else was here? Zay. Klopp. Klopp. Zay. Right, COVID hosted. Yes, yes, Kuma. Uh, if I forgot your name, please make yourself known so I don't forget you. But thank you so much for joining us today here on Sunday. We'll be back next Sunday on Twitch. Um, what other things do I have to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget to go check out Super BitFest if you're over in uh, Texas, San Antonio. Yeah, <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> in the podcast earlier, Shelves. You did, you did your you, thing. You did, like, you did the work. <laughs> go, go to the MAGFest after party in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, there's going to be some uh, really, really good performances, cool performances out there. And it should be like, if, unlike me who has work duties, it should be a hop and a skip as a plane flight. So all you have to do is just jump on the plane, go do the thing go, and come back. And I did see that the hotel is pretty cheap. So just advocating for anybody who can just make it over there, get over there. <laughs> yeah. I think San Antonio has a Jolly Bees, which I will be hitting up and Hella Whataburger because it's Texas. Yes. Um, <laughs> Hello, whatever. Food, stay for the music. Whatever. Stay for the music. Don't go to the Alamo. Like many. It's out of us. Like many a man I have spoken about before, the Alamo is smaller than I thought it would be. It is. It is. <laughs> like many. <laughs> it is. I was not impressed either. But I was 20 years old when I saw it. And I'm like, this was not what has been described in books. Leave the basement alone. They lost that battle. Y'all, can we just... Oh, that's right. Kylie was out there for a hot minute. <laughs> no, I lived in San Antonio for eight years. Uh, I had to suffer. I can't tell you how many times like I was required. <laughs> for college, to graduate, to see the Alamo in several classes. Leave them folks' basement alone. Don't ask them about, they tired of us coming up there. They're tired I'm of- I'm tired of me, because I, I tell them every time I'm there at the Alamo, so I was like, oh, so y'all y'all really lost this battle 
Um, and actually you were treasonous because the general said, don't do it. Oh, so y'all was violating your own treaties and then wanted help. And then when they said, nah, we're not finna help you. You trifuck, you are tripping. Uh, you y'all got everything you deserve. I know you're not gonna put a monument to your own stupidity, but that's exactly what they did and tried to put the spin on it. This is. And then took people, look, and took, y'all get, and got the bicycle out the basement yet. Yeah, and people looking. And we took down their missions for y'all. So, we <laughs> I mean, you can put a plaque, you can put a plaque on it all the live long day. You're still small. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us here on Late Beard Sings Blues. This episode will be published on the RSS feed. Check us out there as well. And we'll see you guys next Sunday. Thank you again, Shubs, for joining Hi. us. Follow thank Shubs you. on all platforms at Shubzilla. Also find her music on Shubzilla on Bandcamp.com or Noir Grime at Bandcamp.com. So peace. Keep the peace. Oh no, where's the outro music? There's the outro music. Yeah. <laughs>